Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Man, if you're watching online, I'm not sure you got goosebumps, God bumps. I don't know what you got, but we got it here. Wow, that was that was one of those moments that you just kind of go, don't even know where to go from here kind of moments, but kind of do. Anyway, so I want to let you know, some people are still confused that this is a 50 and over service that's gone. We're full-blown. We're going at it. We don't care how old you are. Get in church, all right? Pastor Jesse, come up here. You know, all the events that have been happening for, for the past 10 days, two weeks, um, you know, it, it's, we don't want this to be a flare-up and a burnout. Uh, we got we to continue to pray for our nation. I think this is a moment in time, a turning point, and, and our prayers will be the, the thing that turns the point and, and keeping focused and that kind of thing. So I've asked Pastor Jesse to eloquently... Pray for us. Let's just stand up for a moment one more time and stretch our hands toward heaven. You know, as the praise and worship leader was telling us all the wonderful things that God has for us, God reminded me of how he came out of the wilderness. He had been there for 40 days and 40 nights, and he came in and he told the people, everything that you need is right here. There you go. But they rejected that. So I want to pray over our nation and pray over uh, our people today that are watching is that we will embrace the presence of God. I'm pretty silly without it myself. Mm. I need it. And so I'm going to pray over our nation and that God will fill the atmosphere with acceptance of who he is. And so, Father, we we come to you in this moment. And I thank you for this opportunity today to pray over our nation, Lord God. And to pray, Lord God, that we will look back in time and realize that every time we have put you on the sideline, we've stayed in the wilderness. We didn't know how to go forward. But God, I come today and I pray that the spiritual winds of God will begin to blow over our nation. And that, God, that you would breathe on us, Lord God. Because on that moment when you walked into the synagogue, Lord, you told them you had all these wonderful things. And you sit down right in front of them. And they drove you out to drive you over the city wall. Mm. They cast you out of their presence, Lord. And so today, Lord God, I pray that our nation, our people, the ministers of God, Lord God, that we will embrace you. And that, God, we will come back to the heart of God. We need you, God. It is not you that have left us. We have left you. And so, God, we stand today with our people here at Mosaic Church and around the world that we will rise up, Lord God, and we will be all that you have called us to be. Because our nation needs to know that there is more in us than what's coming out of us. Yes. And so, God, we leave you, Lord God, with this today, knowing that you said I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And so, God, we're excited in our church, and we're ready to roll out in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Love you, man. Well, go ahead and grab your Bibles and remain standing. If you're Catholic, you're going to love us today because we up and down. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, 
and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'd like you to turn your Bibles today to Acts chapter 1. Uh, I'm probably going to uh, bend the ear of both Baptist, Charismatic, Pentecostal, Nazarene, Methodist, and every other denomination today. When you start talking about Jesus, that rattles some cages. Uh, in the government world, uh, public school education world, a lot of our world today, you can, you can say God because that to, to the world that covers a lot of God's plural. But when you say Jesus, that reduces God down or expands God into one person. And so when you, when you say the name of Jesus because that is the name above every name and there is no way to heaven except by him, that stirs some people up because many people today want to believe that there are many ways to heaven. And the reason I believe that many people want to believe that is because we haven't presented the way in a way that uh, is acceptable, understandable to many people. Because many people see God, they, they see God as a mean God, Jesus as a mean Savior, and that if you don't line up, He's going to knock you out. And... Uh, I think the church and religion has presented Christ in a way that has scared the bejesus out of the people who want to believe in Jesus. Make sense? You're pretty kind. So what I want to do is try to address out of Acts chapter 1 the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When God sent Jesus, there was anticipation that he would come by many and there were religious people who even when he did miracles and all the things that he did, didn't believe that he was the Messiah. They just thought he was a great prophet. That debate lingers today as to who Jesus is in our world. And oftentimes, because of our negative fallen nature, we perceive Jesus in a way that scares us. I was scared to death of Christ when I was young. If I ever went to church and my mother dragged me there all the time and the preacher said, turn to the book of Revelation, I just wanted to get saved right then. Scared to death. And uh, what I didn't know was God is love. That Christ loved me so much that he gave his life for me. He loves us so much that he said, I will never abandon you. I will never reject you. I will never neglect you. In fact, he has given us the privilege of even judging ourselves. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth before communion, and it says, examine, one translation, yourselves. Yeah, yeah. So when we look at God as judge, God's saying, I'm just the backup judge. You're the real judge. You get to determine in your life whether what happened 2,000 years ago or not is real or not. You get to determine whether you need the cross, whether or not you need the Son of God. You get to determine that. So when Christ came, the world was in what I call the watch mode. They were watching God do what God wanted to do through a person, in this case, the person that was the Son of God himself, and they were watching him. At that point, they had no supernatural access or power except by having a conversation with him. That's all they had. They had access to God through Christ. Now, that's great because the Bible still says whatsoever things we ask in his name, he'll do it. 
but it's his name. Now, he said, I'm not going to just leave you here with my name. I'm going to leave you here with the very spirit that raised me up out of the grave. So I'm not just going to give you my name. I'm going to give you the power that has exalted me and caused me to defeat death, hell, and the grave. Now, this is when it gets really scary right here. The Pentecostals are getting ready to get happy, and the Baptists are getting ready to throw rocks at me. Now, I don't mean that mean, but the activity of the Holy Spirit is very important in this day. And very few people talk about the Holy Spirit for fear that it will be misunderstood, not it, but the content and the context would be misunderstood. Because the Holy Spirit is much as a person as Jesus was and is. But when you mention the Holy Spirit, if you have any background in Pentecostal, uh, the Pentecostal movement, this is time where they get real happy and, and uh, they lose all sense of, of, of brain power. And uh, I, I'm not saying that to be mean, but in the world I grew up in, there were, you had to prove through some manifestation that you knew who the Holy Spirit was. Now, the church I grew up in was, they said that you baptize the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. That was, that was the one thing. They, they, if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have him. I'm going to contradict that today. Now, I just made the Pentecostals irritated. Because there are so many evidences of the presence or the Spirit of God, I couldn't name them all today. Moises did a great job trying to name them. I am who you need me to be when you need me to be it. When you're sad, I become your joy. When you're fearful, I become love. When, when, when you're hateful, I, he's, I'm going to become the peace that passes all understanding. But when we don't talk about him, invite him in, include him, he is such a gentleman, he'll sit in the corner and be quiet. Because he will not force himself on anyone. I wrote these words down some time ago, and I've, I've meditated on them. We must present ourselves to him before he will present himself to us. You say, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's not works. God presented himself through Christ. Jesus left and, and left with us the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is saying, I'm waiting on you to present yourself to me so I can present all that I am and all that I have to you. Because that is the invitation that we extend to him when we present ourselves to him is that we have an interest. We have a desire. We have a need. We have a want. We have a wish. Whatever it might be. And in Acts chapter 1, it says, He said to them, it is not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set by his own authority. The world today is wondering, is the pandemic the beginning of the end? Is, is what Bill Gates is proposing in the chip, is that the Antichrist? I mean, I've heard all kinds of talk and stories, and, and quite frankly, I don't really care. I mean, we get all caught up in trying to figure out the times instead of taking the time to figure out who he is. The times are not important to us. They're really not. When Jesus is going to come back is totally irrelevant to me. I'm living my life as though he's coming back in a minute. 
and, and I'm just living it every day thinking about, I just got to do something for Jesus that might change my little world. We got people trying to avoid the coronavirus, and I get it, and you're going to get mad at me. I know you are, and some of you watching online are going to turn me off right now. Listen to me. The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, he is a miracle worker. And we have reduced him to our passport to heaven. If I, if I can just hang on. This is not about going to heaven. That's not the hard part. The hard part is reducing the things in our life, the distractions, the dissensions, and all those things, and getting heaven into earth today. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now, this is what I want to really point out today. Because I grew up in an environment where the Holy Spirit was more about impressing somebody with what and who I had experienced versus changing others by my experience. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit was given to us to make an impact on the world in which we currently live. Not to go around and, and pray in tongues in everybody's ears. And before you think that I'm discounting any gift, please think again. What I'm trying to focus on here is we have a world that is looking and searching and questioning and wondering who are these people called the church. And the fact that they have to ask scares me to death. We are the people that should be loving, caring, kind. I'm not talking about being weak, but I'm talking about being wise. In every endeavor, in every encounter, being wise. A.W. Tozer said, Though every believer has the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit does not have every believer. In other words, He's on me, but not having opportunity to work through me. When he has you, you will do whatever he asks you to do. And not ask him why he's asking you to do it. In 1989, I felt like the Holy Spirit told me to run across America for the unborn. I thought, this is the stupidest idea I've ever heard. But I began training, and it was a little bit of an embarrassment because people are like, well, what are you doing? Well, I was trying to shine a light instead of cursing the darkness. I wanted to shine a light that we love all these precious women that are going through PTSD as a result of giving up a child in that way. Now, before you think I'm judgmental, I'm not. I'm just loving. 
So I began training in 1989, and between the fall of 1989 and the summer of uh, 1990, I had run 3,000 miles. People didn't understand. As one dear brother, friend of mine, pastor, said, Mark, he said, we must dare to misunderstand, and we must dare to be misunderstood. Living a Christian life, a true Christian life that says, I wake up every day desiring to have some kind of effect or impact on the world will require that we dare to misunderstand. God, I don't know why you're having me do this. Forrest Gump got all the attention that year. And I promise you, Tom Hanks did not run 3,000 miles. And I'm up against Tom Hanks at that time. And he's getting paid millions, and I'm struggling every day on the highways of America to get to Washington, D.C. and meet with the president. If you don't get that kind of news, I'm going, God, why in the world would you have me do this? But now I realize it doesn't matter. (laughs) See, our kids are growing up today. You tell them to do something, they go, why? You need to get a big sign, put it on the refrigerator, write why, and a circle and a line through it. It doesn't matter why. What matters is that we obey. As children of God, it's not why God, it's when God. It's where God. It's how God, not why God. And not oh my God. Acts 1, 9 says, after he said this, he was taken before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently upon the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. You're talking about freaking out. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. You see, the problem is we still have folks looking up instead of walking around doing good. People going, when's he coming back? Is he coming back? Instead of looking around and going, what can I do with the power of his spirit? There are opportunities around us every day. Every day. Encourage someone. Inspire someone. Be kind to someone. Help someone. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit will ask you to do things that will require great faith of you. I've shared this story before, but it's worthy of sharing again. And if I hadn't told you, you wouldn't have remembered it anyway. But I was sitting in a restaurant one day, and I was the only one. It was a a morning. I was uh, at a meeting out of town, and I was sitting in this restaurant at a hotel. And I was the only one in there. And there were like three servers and all this and sitting there. And as I finished eating, I've heard the Holy Spirit in my heart say, that girl needs help, and I want you to leave a big tip. Okay. Now, this will freak some of you out. If you're Pentecostal, you're going to love me again. If you're Baptist, you're going to think I'm crazy. I'll give you Baptists a chance in a moment to be opposite. You say, leave, leave her $100. Well, the bill was like 15 
So I didn't say anything. I just put it on the plate. I thought it was crazy. But I'm walking out of the hotel, and I hear a voice, Sir, sir! She comes chasing me. Do you know what you gave me? Greatest joy of all. I said, yes, ma'am, I do. I said, I can't explain it, but I felt like you needed it. In tears. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying that about myself as much as I'm saying he will ask you to do some hard things. Because without faith, you can't please him. And every day, he gives us an opportunity to please him by giving us things that we need to exercise faith for. To most of the world, Christianity is nothing more than attending church, having a small group, and hopefully going to heaven. That's the Christian world today. We have the greatest opportunity maybe in the history of my life, in the time I've lived, to do something incredible for God. To see God do something incredible for us. To see God do something incredible with us and through us. As a pastor, we go through different cycles of comforting, challenging, rebuking, directing, assimilating. There's so many roles that that pastors throughout the world are having to address today. And one of the roles I feel we're in right now is the role of challenging people. Now, I know I'm going to go against conventional wisdom in many cases. But we have to be sensitive to what God is telling us to do. Or else we will excuse ourselves from the call and purpose that he has designed for us during this season. I get concerned about people who will use the pandemic for the next six months as an excuse to not do some things that they know they should be doing. Don't get mad at me yet. I'm going to give you plenty of opportunity. I understand careful. I get that. But when are you going to wake up and go, enough is enough? I'm not going to be pigeonholed by fear. I'm not going to live my life in the shadows. I'm going to live my life in the light. I'm going to say something that I may eat my words, but I'm going to say it anyway. I will never shut down for the government again. They got one time. If they ever try it again, they're going to arrest me because I will not close my doors again. You can say that's rebellion. All I have to do is look at Jesus, and I believe I would fall in that category. When you start closing down the church and the church starts acquiescing to a mandate that not only violates the freedoms that many of our parents fought for, but the faith that we stand for as well. I may be too much for some people, I'll be not enough for others. I get that. But we better rise up out of this and we better learn from what we've experienced. And I know, I know what people are thinking and I, I'm so sick of social media and, and many churches who are... are uh, we got to stop. 
And we have to rise up. And we have to trust God. I would rather die trusting God than live in fear. You say, well, that's craziness. Let me just tell you. I've been through enough to know that God will get you through whatever it is you're going through. If you'll let him go through it with you. Unless we have within us that which is above us, we soon shall yield to the pressures around us. I believe that this moment and this season and time was a setup. What we do with the setup will determine the outcome for future generations. Political correctness has wooed us into weakness. I believe in respect. I believe in kindness. I believe in love. But I also believe there's a time that we have to rise up and we have to take a position, a posture that will give God an opportunity to do something. The Bible to many has become nothing but a storybook, a history book, but it's really a roadmap to our lives today. If you have the spirit without the word, you blow up. If you have the word without the spirit, you dry up. If you have both the word and the spirit, you grow up. We need to grow up. I'm not saying this to be mean, disparaging toward any government leader. That's not my point. I believe they're doing the best they can. My question is, are we doing the best we can? I'm as smart as any government leader out there, and so are you. They were put in position by us, not of their own accord. We elected them. But I didn't elect a God. There's only one God. And we have to be wise and go, you know what? The devil will do everything he can to shut down worship. Think about two months of Christians not gathering. If I could see in the spirit right now, I believe it'd be some of the two of the darkest months in the history of mankind. You say, well, I didn't stop worshiping. Corporately, we did. So I'm going to get to this point today. Wait on the wind. Wait on the breath of God. In prayer, we are aware that God is in action and that when the circumstances are ready, when others are in the right place, and when our hearts are prepared, He will call us into action. Waiting in prayer is a disciplined refusal to act before God acts. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. My challenge here is this, and I hope you hear my heart in this. I really do. 
I'm not mad at anybody except the devil. And those of you watching online, it's time for you to come home. It's time for you to go to your church. It's time for you to get back in worship. It's time for you to put your faith out there. You say, but my doctor said, I, I, I'm not discounting any, any of the wisdom of medicine. I'm not. But we must never excuse ourselves when we know the voice of God is speaking to us. One person said there are only two forces in the world, the sword and the spirit. In the long run, the sword will always be conquered by the spirit. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, what happened as a result of that moment? Many say that the diversity of that day, that the disciples uh, were heard in different languages, which wouldn't surprise me at all that God would want them to hear in their language, or it was ecstatic utterance from the Holy Spirit or from God Himself, and that it was a prayer language. Obviously, I'm a graduate of Oral Roberts University. I believe in everything the Bible says and everything the Spirit of God wants to do. I think we've misrepresented in many cases who he is and how he wants to operate. Because the greater good is this, that the world is touched by the power we possess and by the presence that we exude. And it begins here with humility, not arrogance, but humility. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand, his mighty hand. And he will lift you up in due time. Humility is simply controlled strength, if you will. Humbling ourselves before God. All healing begins with humility. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and heal their land. If my people called by my name will humble themselves. My personality requires that I lean stronger that way because I'm very vocal. And I understand that. And I attempt, as I've gotten older, to try to present things in a way that are not inflammatory. But what I have realized is that truth is no longer highly valued. Because truth requires us... To change. Political correctness seeks to change the truth. Truth seeks to change political correctness. And I think we have to realize that this is a very delicate 
yet opportune moment for us to really give God a chance. What we experienced in worship this morning, I can only feel pity for those who were not here to experience it with us. Powerful. Powerful. And, and this is a team of people that we have, our drummer's not well. On the base, typically, is a police officer who was called out to make sure in case there were any more protests or rioting that he could be there. You have Mark Ryan, who I think probably can do about anything. He's an incredible cook, guitar player, singer, and today he was on the drums. And I, I'm just like, why don't you preach too? And I'll just go tan. But we have this team put together, assembled in a, in a last-minute situation, and the power of God just falls. Why? Because it's not about how gifted we are. It's about allowing the gift that he is to operate through us. Secondly, hope. We must always possess hope. If you lose hope, you lose, period. If you lose hope, you lose. Don't ever give up hope. Your darkest hour and your worst day, it's probably been by the, the last 10 days, maybe been the toughest 10 days I've had in 2020. You say, well, what about the pandemic? That was sleeves rolled up. We didn't have time to think, but now we have time to think. In the last 10 days, I've been thinking and processing pandemic, George Floyd, and so much going on in our world, and the world's in a state of panic. My thoughts have been, God, what can we do to bring as much peace as you've given us to a hurting world? The fights between what should be happening and what shouldn't be happening. I can't speak to anybody but myself right now and say, what does Mark Crow need to be doing? And I know this love never fails. As much as I can disagree with somebody, what what am I doing to try to bring agreement or to, to try to bring some sort of hope to them? All people. We think we understand, but we really don't. I don't understand, but I know this. This black man right down here on the front row is as much my brother as anybody on earth. And I don't say that to say I'm not racist. You don't have to say it if your heart loves everybody. Everybody just feels it. But people, for lack of understanding, we, we don't know what to say, what to do, what to. Hope. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share the Lord's, with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Patient in affliction. That one right there is the tough one. But it begins with joyful in hope. If you have, you're joyful in hope, you might be able to make it through your painful uh, patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. Zechariah 4, 6 says, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, 
says the Lord Almighty. If I could encourage us in any way, shape, form, or fashion today, include the Holy Spirit every morning. Because when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Holy Spirit will raise up a standard against him. It's interesting, even in the Old Testament, we're talking about the Holy Spirit raising up that standard. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. See, I will beckon to all the nations. I will lift up my banner to the peoples. They will bring your sons in their arms and carry your daughters on their hips. Kings will be your foster fathers and their queens your nursing mothers. They will bow down before you with their faces to the ground. They will lick the dust at your feet. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. And of course, in that case, talking about enemies, that God will even change the hearts of our enemies because we put our hope in Him. He who has the Holy Spirit in His heart and the Scripture in His hands has all He needs. People who are afraid of losing their life, it's very difficult to scare a Christian with heaven. So I don't want to go right now. I want to go when it's appointed time. And I think when I go, it will be the appointed time. Some can say, died too young. How, how young is too young? I mean, I know, I get it when somebody's a teenager or a baby or a kid, I get that. But y'all just old. We're all just old in here. So how old is old? Uh, You know how old old is. I ain't going to tell you it's as old as you are. It's getting older every day. Last thing is honor. It begins with humility. It's sustained with hope. And that everything that we're humbling ourselves to do and hope in must come with honor. Matter of fact, Honor your father and mother is is the first commandment with a promise. Honor is the beginning. If we can just honor. Honoring someone doesn't mean you agree with what they think or what they do. But you honor the person that they were created to be. It's extraordinary. How things fall off from a man or a person like autumn leaves. Once he comes to the place where there is no rule but that of the personal domination of the Holy Spirit. Whether you agree with a person or not, that's really not my place, but... When I read the book, Good Morning, Holy Spirit, it was a revelation to me that when we greet the Trinity in the morning, it includes Him throughout the day. Good morning, God. Now, religious people and even Christian people will think you're crazy because many people don't talk to God and they don't believe God talks to us. I believe in both. 
Now, he does it in different ways. Sometimes he'll show me something in the Word of God. Sometimes an impression in my heart, a thought I've never had. God wants to be active in our lives today. God wants to speak to us today. He wants to direct us today. The Bible says the footsteps of a righteous man or a good man are ordered by the Lord. God commands us to be filled with the Spirit, and if we are not filled, it is because we are living beneath, according to Dwight L. Moody, we're living beneath what we have the opportunity to have. And then I'm going to close with this today, giving you just some ideas and ways to honor. Honor somebody by paying a compliment. Treat others with respect. Be patient. Be understanding. Ask questions. Challenge assumptions. Overlook mistakes. Forgive. These are all ways to show honor. Show compassion. Celebrate accomplishments. Cheer someone on. Listen. Encourage Learn from others. Help others. Find common ground. Appreciate your differences. Accept help. Had a long conversation with my son who plays the keyboards for us yesterday. And when I went to college, in undergrad, graduate school, I thought, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to know so much. And what I realized college did for me, it showed me how much I didn't know and how much I wouldn't know. Because there's so much more to know. And every Sunday that I stand up here, I'm doing my best to what we called exegete the Bible so that my homily came out. It's all theological stuff in a way that would help you. But what I've come to realize, what I thought when I graduated and first began preaching, that I knew some things. And what I've come to realize is what I do know is my opinion of what I've read and what I've experienced. For me to stand up here and act like I know more than you or what I have to say has more authority than you would be wrong. I simply have a perspective. And I've been called upon by God to share that perspective and opinion on a regular basis. And I do my very best to interpret the Bible the way I see the Bible And when I read the Bible, it's very clear to me that when Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, some people would say, well, that's just your opinion. I'd say, well, yeah, and I like it. And they would say, well, if that's the case, if that's truth, why isn't everybody living life and living it more abundantly? You see where I'm going with this. There's always an argument. There's always a pushback. To which I would respond, I believe that we get out of life what we put into it. If I put faith into it, I'm going to get something great from God out of it. If I trust Him, He's trustworthy. He's faithful, the Bible says, even when we're faithless. So I know this to be true, that God is for us and not against us. And that the Holy Spirit of God wants to be involved in every decision and everything and every day he wants to be involved with us. Let's allow that. Humble ourselves. When you think you have something great to say, ask somebody else if they think what you have to say is great.
the joy of life to me is not how gifted you might think I am, how talented, how skilled, how intelligent. The question I should ask myself at the end of each day is have I done something that has helped somebody's life be better? And let me just tell you something. By the world standards, you don't have to be gifted, talented, skilled, or intelligent to do that. You simply have to be like Jesus and be loving. And we can all do that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for putting up with us. Thank you for never leaving us, never abandoning us. We truly love you for that. Holy Spirit, today, lead us and guide us as we go from here. Show us what to do, where to go, who to touch, who to talk to. With every head bowed and every eye closed, the most important part of this worship experience today is this moment where you have the opportunity to know how much God loves you and how to respond to that love. The Bible says all who call on his name shall be saved. Not because you're good, not because after the prayer you're going to go do everything right, but because you're simply going to realize today and examine and judge yourself that you need a Savior and that you need assistance and you need help from on high. So I'm going to ask everyone watching online, everyone in here, to pray this simple prayer with me. If you would, repeat after me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only Son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin, and I call you Lord. I call you Savior. I call you friend. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to do me a simple favor and text the word SAVE to 405-500-1310. 405-500-1310. And uh, put your name on there, if you would, please, as well. That lets us know how to pray and who to pray for and that kind of thing. So if you would do that, we'd appreciate it. This mo- Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.